Not many things will transform your life like the birth of a child, except for some of us maybe a grandchild, right? A grandchild is different. We get to spoil them and send them home. I heard about a, a young mom who had, a, had her first child was born, and, and little Jackson is just one of the best little babies. He's always happy, always smiling. He was passed around at our dinner Wednesday night, but it's just something about the birth of a child. But a mom got her, brought her baby home, her first child home, and so once she got home and got settled, she invited all of her friends to come over and to um, see the little baby. And so they brought gifts and they brought presents and they looked at pictures and they oohed and odd at the pictures. And the mom opened gifts for the baby and they there about an hour. And finally one of the ladies said, well, are you going to bring that boy out for us to see him? So the mama goes back to the crib to get, to, to get the baby. And much to her horror, the baby was not there. She panicked. She freaked out. And then it, it, then it hit her in all the hustle and bustle. She had taken the baby next door to her mom and daddy's house to watch the baby while she got things ready. So, you know, that, that story reminds me. They gathered. They were excited. They had presents. But the baby wasn't even there. There was no attention to the baby. And it's much like Christmas, sadly, has become in the United States today. It's not this way around the world, but particularly in our nation where we're so spoiled. We have so many blessings and so many things going on. We forget the real reason for the season, and we're all guilty. I say we're all guilty. I know I am. We get busy. We get hurried, and all the stuff that you got to do and check the boxes off the list. And it's like, whose birthday is it anyway? We sang earlier, we talked about Emmanuel, God with us. I ordered some Christmas ornaments that came in late. The trees are already decorated. But all the different names of Jesus to put on the tree for next year. Of all the names of Jesus in Scripture, my favorite one is Emmanuel. He came to be with us. Take your copy of Scripture, if you will, and turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 1. Matthew chapter 1, and we'll look at several different passages of Scripture that are familiar to us today. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and think with me on this subject. Emmanuel, God is with us. He's really with us. If you're physically able, let's stand and give honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. We see that, that phrase over and over in Scripture. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who's been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And he refers to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 that says, Behold, the virgin will be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, I thank you for these familiar words that all of our faith hinges on these words right here. We thank you that from eternity past, your plan was to send your only begotten Son to be the Messiah, to be the Savior of the world. And God, we thank you that in the fullness of time, you chose to use a sweet 
young Hebrew couple, Mary and Joseph, to bring the Savior of the world into the world so that we could gather today, so that we could celebrate you, so that we could know our sins are forgiven, and so that we could know, Lord Jesus, wherever we go, whatever we do, you are always with us. And we rejoice in that, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. So it's an old, old, familiar story that we've been telling for 2,000 years of how a baby, the Savior of the world, came into a largely secular world at that time and was unrecognized, much like the world we live in today is very much a secular world. I think if you got all the, the demons of hell together to say, what could we do to mask the truth of Christmas? What could we do to take the focus off Jesus? And I don't think there's anything more genius that they could come up with than Santa Claus. I mean, most children in America today are far more familiar with Santa Claus than they are with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a song, you've probably heard it on the radio, that talks about the long lines at the mall to see Santa Claus. The, the, the lines go like this. Christmas time was approaching, snow was starting to fall, and by the way, I call that the devil's dandruff. I'm not a fan of snow. We lived in Lynchburg, Virginia for seven years. We have two babies that were born, both of them, in the two blizzards that we had in seven years. I'm from South Georgia. My wife is from Florida. That's God's sense of humor that we have babies in blizzards. So I'm not all about snow. But y'all do know the forecast for this week, Friday and Saturday, it's not supposed to get above freezing either day. Pray for your pastor. I may die during that. If it's below 70, I'm a miserable human being, but we trust what the Lord sends us. Christmas time is approaching. Snow is starting to fall. Shoppers choosing their presents. People filling the mall. Thank God for Amazon, by the way. I don't have to fill the mall anymore. I can go online and order my Christmas shopping. Children waiting for Santa with excitement and glee. A little boy tugged my sweater, looked up, and asked me, Where's the line to see Jesus? Is he here at the store? If Christmas time is his birthday, why don't we see him more? As I stood in amazement as this message profound, I looked down to thank him, but he was nowhere around. Little boy at the mall might as well have had wings. As the tears filled my eyes, I thought I heard him sing. Where's the line to see Jesus? Is he here at the store? If Christmas time is his birthday, why don't we see him more? Where's the line to see Jesus? He was born for me. Santa Claus brought me presents, but Christ gave his life for me. Emmanuel, God with us, that's why we celebrate. And I've mentioned to you a dear lady by the name of Michelle. She's a friend of mine from South Georgia where we were yesterday for our Dura family Christmas. And she prays for us and she supports us. And she's got a little boy. His name is Kirkland. Kirkland reminds me of Jonathan and Misty daughters, Hadley. All children are precious. All children are special. But every now and then you come across a child that's like there's just some kind of anointing on that child. They have an unusual sensitivity to the Holy Spirit of God. Hadley is that way. And this little boy Kirkland is that way. I mentioned Kirkland to you, I think, already before. Michelle gets, keeps getting called to the school for teacher conferences. Kirkland knows all about Jesus. I believe he's probably going to be a preacher one day. Kirkland found out there was a little Muslim girl in his class. So what did Kirkland do but tell her she's going to go to hell if she didn't give her life to Jesus? Well, is that true? Yes, that's true. I pray God will give us greater boldness but temper that in love. Halloween came around. Kirkland, Kirkland tells a little girl who dressed up like a witch. She said, if you believe in witchcraft and the devil, you're probably going to hell. His mama got called back to another teacher conference at the school. She said this week they were out shopping and he was playing with a little nativity scene somewhere. And she, when it was time to go, she said, Kirkland, put that back the way it was. 
And Michelle said, when I turned and looked at it, everything was backwards. And she said, Kirkland, you got everybody turned backwards. And this little, little boy, I think he's like first grade, said, Mama, they came to see Jesus. Kirkland had it right. Most of our nativity scenes, they're facing out so we could see them. The, the innocence of a little child who gets what oftentimes we get caught up in all the tinsel and the wrapping and the gifts and all that stuff. So we want to visit that familiar story this morning. And I want God to give me the wonder that Kirkland has, that people came to see Jesus. I am thrilled to see you today. It's awesome to see all of you. Some of you hadn't seen for a while. Some have been sick. Some are on the road with their friends and family. we got several grandparents out today who are at the churches of their grandchildren to see them in programs, and we certainly understand that. And all of our college students are gone. But I hope most of all today we came to see and experience the Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, we just read it. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, in the Hebrew culture, that was binding. It's like they were engaged, but it was legally binding. If you broke that betrothal, it was, almost, it was like a, a writ of divorce had to be given. So he'd been betrothed to her. Before they'd come together, they had not physically um, consummated that relationship. She was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, now you think about, you know, I, clearly some denominations go overboard and they worship Mary. We don't worship Mary. Mary didn't die for our sins. I don't pray to Mary. We have a direct line to God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. But you think about of all the Hebrew girls in eternity, past, present, and future, there was something special about this girl. God did choose this girl, Mary, and he chose this guy, Joseph, to bring the Savior into the world. But they were, they were righteous. They were pure. They honored their commitment to wait until they got married. And all of a sudden, Mary's pregnant. Joseph probably had a little freak out going on, as I certainly would have too. And he said he was a righteous man, and he didn't want to disgrace her. He planned to send her away secretly. We just kind of privately send her off. What can we learn from this Christmas story? Number one, God is a God of purity. Write that down. God is a God of purity. Of all the Jewish couples, past, present, and future, he chose Mary and Joseph. Why is purity a big deal? Because God is holy. Of all the different attributes of the Lord, His holiness is what makes Him altogether separate and altogether different. And the scripture says we are to be holy as He is holy. Now we're not God, we're not deity, but we're to strive to be like Him. Why does God place a premium on purity? I think also because God understands the heartache that comes when we don't do things God's way. Somebody asked me the other day, my church planting coach that I meet with once a week, he said, Mike, why does God, why does God hate divorce? Well, you're looking at a child of divorce. My parents divorced, and I said, well, all the pain and heartache that goes with it. He said, you're exactly right. So when God demands purity, it's because he loves us. He doesn't want us to experience hurt and pain and heartache outside of God's pure relationship. There was no birth control. Thank God there was no abortion on demand or none of that stuff. So it was a big deal when Joseph and Mary had guarded their purity waiting for marriage, and all of a sudden she's pregnant. But anybody who had studied the Old Testament scriptures, they knew that Messiah was going to come one day. They should have been looking for Messiah, and they knew he would be born of a virgin. So when it happens, they're shocked. Does that ever happen to you? You pray for something, and when God gives it to us, we're shocked. We pray, and we know God can do it, but still we're shocked when it happens. We don't think it's going to happen. I've seen some of that stuff happen this week. Happened. You pray for something to happen, and God does it. And it's like, wow, God, you just came through and did that so quick. He's a God of miracles. So the purity of the Old Testament sacrifices throughout the Old Testament, when they sacrificed the animals, the 
pointing to the fact that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. They had to be without spot and without blemish. So the Christmas story of Emmanuel, God with us, reminds me that God puts a premium on purity. And if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the Word of God doesn't change, while the world's standards might have changed, God's standard has not changed at all. Number two, write this down. God's a God of miracles. He is a God of miracles. I mean, if you know anything at all about human biology. It takes a mommy and a daddy to have a baby. And a mommy and a daddy have to have a special relationship for that baby to happen. Otherwise, ain't no baby going to happen. I don't care what the world says and all the gender change and all of that mess going on. It takes a man, a biological man and a biological woman. It is humanly impossible to have a baby without a man and a woman. Unless the sovereign God of the universe steps in and decrees it to happen. He said it was going to happen, and it did. Isaiah 7, 14, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The laws of biology were suspended this one time. I don't believe it'll ever happen again. It doesn't need to ever happen again. But you know, the people who doubt Scripture, you know, they're a dime a dozen. The liberal commentators who say the Word of God is not true, just tell some good stories, they point out, and this is a fact, the word translated virgin there is the Hebrew word alma. And it's translated in other places to mean young, young maiden. Young maiden, not necessarily virgin. And so the liberal commentators say, see there? There's no way a virgin had a baby. That word is translated young maiden elsewhere. Well, it is. But the best commentary on Scripture is Scripture, not some liberal theologian who denies the Word of God. Throughout the Word of God, we see the absolute necessity of the virgin birth, all the way back to the first book of the Bible in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 is known as the, can I say this word right, the Proto-Evangelium, the first mention of the gospel in Scripture. If I didn't say it right, just act like I did, okay? Just humor me. But it's the first mention of the gospel in Scripture. Remember when Adam and Eve fell in the garden? And God is rebuking Satan after the fall. He says this in Genesis 3.15. He's telling the devil, I'm going to put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Theologians have said for centuries that, that is the first mention of the gospel and the first mention of the, virgin, the absolute necessity of the virgin birth of the Messiah. But he says, you'll put enmity between your seed and her seed. Well, the woman has the egg and the man has the seed. A woman doesn't have a seed unless the Holy Spirit of God puts that seed inside of her. And that's the virgin birth. He says, he'll strike your head. Jesus is going to crush and destroy Satan one day once and for all. But you'll strike his heel when they nailed him to the cross. It wasn't a death wound like the Lord Jesus is going to strike on Satan one day. So biblical scholars have said... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Apostle Paul, throughout Scripture, in fact, a total of seven authors of 30 of the 66 books of Scripture all refer to the virgin birth. There had to be a perfect sacrifice born of a virgin because, guys, guess what? We're the ones who pass on the sin, right? It's the Father who passes on the sin nature. If Jesus had an earthly father, he would have had that sin nature. 
If the virgin birth is a biological lie, then it's theological fiction. And if it's theological fiction, why in the world are we here today? We have no hope apart from the virgin birth. It matters what you believe. It's a little lesson in doctrine this morning. It matters what you believe. If there's one sentence in Scripture that is not true, let's just go party and get drunk today and be done with it. No, the Bible is God's perfect Word. It is absolute truth, true for all people, for all places, and for all times. So the virgin birth was absolutely necessary and it's attested to throughout Scripture. If not, we're hopeless. God's a God of miracles. You need a miracle today? God is a God of miracles. He chose Joseph to be, if you will, the stepdad of Jesus. I had a stepdad for a little while, and I have, still have a wonderful, godly stepmother who came to know the Lord. Most of you know my story of my stepmother. Didn't know the Lord. Um, I was a senior at UGA, uh, about to graduate from college, and my stepmother's 40 years old, had never had children, prayed for children, and guess what? My stepmother had a baby two weeks after I graduated from the University of Georgia. And I invite my dad and stepmother to please come to church with me on Mother's Day. And my sweet stepmother heard a message on how to be a godly mama. And she said, that's what I want to be. And my stepmother gave her life to Jesus. And later on, my dad sold out to the Lord. And it changed the trajectory of my entire family. Got to be with my stepmom last night. Please pray for her. Many of you know she's very ill. She is in um, end-stage liver disease. Not from alcohol, but she had to take medicine for psoriasis for 30 years. And it's destroyed her liver. She is... Not to be crude, but she's as yellow as a character on Sesame Street when I saw her last night. She, did, she didn't stand up much, but she was so happy to have us all there. And on top of that, now she has a tumor on her pituitary gland, completely separate. But every time I talk to her, she's at perfect peace. She says, Mike, it's in the Lord's hands. Why do I have to worry about this? People around her are freaking out. She's like, it's in the Lord's hands. And so we visited yesterday, had a great visit, came home. When I wake up this morning, I got text messages. They called the ambulance to see her last night. So there's something special about a baby. Um, there's something special if those of you who have a step-parent like I did, God understands. Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, but he raised him as if he was his own. Joseph listened to the voice of God. Joseph didn't listen to the culture who said, everybody's going to think you're, you know, you've been running around doing stuff you ought not to do if you stick with Mary. You need to leave her. But he heard from God. He obeyed God. And it could have cost him everything. Could have cost him his carpenter business. Could have cost him everything. But it never costs you to follow the Lord more than God's going to give you for that. So if you need a miracle this Christmas, we need a miracle for my stepmother. You know, we need, we need God to heal that liver disease. We need God to heal that pituitary gland. If you need a miracle, the same God who allowed a virgin to conceive, that's the God we serve today. The same need that Jenna has for that diagnosis that you just got and facing more surgery and Jaden's facing surgery, the same God that allowed a virgin to conceive is the same God that can intervene in both of those situations. That's the God we serve. If there is a financial need, you know, I was out sick. Pastor Matt's been sick. I've been sick. I didn't get to work two days. When you work part-time and, and you don't work, you don't get sick pay, so you don't get paid. And I'm just like, whatever. You know, the Lord allowed this to happen, not me. And I just want you to know, to testify of God's goodness, He more than made up for what I would have made had I worked those days. That's the God I serve. The God that allowed a virgin to conceive will meet your financial need. The God that I serve can heal your broken heart. The God that I serve can deliver you like He did me from addiction. The God that I serve can heal the broken relationships in your life. Life. The same God, if He can do that in the life of a virgin, 
What can he not do? Is there anything too big for our God? And I'm telling you, the greatest all of these are miracles. The greatest miracle of all is that he reached down his nail-scarred hand to a nobody from nowhere, broken home, generational divorce, generational alcoholism, and he rescued my sorry behind and forgave me and put me on the road to take me to heaven. That's the greatest miracle of all, salvation. You just don't get any better than that. So God's a God of purity. God's a God of miracles. And number three, God's a God of compassion. He's a God of compassion. Go back to verse 19 again of Matthew 1. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. It means he lived a, a right life before holy God. He didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You know, I'm Baptist. If an angel showed up, I, you know, I may have to change my clothes or something. They'll probably scare me to death. But so he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Throughout Scripture, don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. So he's in this situation in that culture. It was unthinkable to think you're engaged and your fiancé is pregnant. So the angel of God shows up and says, hey, just calm down. God's in control of this thing. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you're to name him Jesus for he'll save his people from their sins. God is the God of compassion. Hey, Joseph, don't fear. So my stepmother says, oh, my stepmother's sister that she lives with in Florida, is, she's, she's a strong believer in Jesus. She served the Lord in her church. She's active in her church, but she is worrying to death about my stepmother's sickness. And my stepmother keeps saying, Joanne, it's in the Lord's hands. Why do you worry about that? In Luke chapter 1 and verse 29, we go from Joseph to Mary. It says, confused and disturbed. Now, Mary knows. She guarded her purity. She's waiting to consummate that marriage with Joseph. And now all of a sudden she says, you got a baby inside of you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid. There it is again. Don't be afraid, Mary. God's a God of compassion, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. If you are afraid this morning, if you are confused this morning, if you are anxious this morning, if you are worried this morning, there, I didn't know this. I wish I could tell you, be spiritual and say, I learned this in seminary. I learned this from a spiritual mentor. Now I learned this from a movie, Facing the Giants. When Coach Mark Rick said in Facing the Giants, there are 365 Fear nots in the Word of God, one for every day of the year to remind us. There's, there, listen, what do I have to fear? Well, what if you get COVID and die, preacher? I'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. You know, what if you're out there driving and you get in an accident and you die? I'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. I'm not rushing that. You know, God's the one who decides, but... What's the worst thing that can happen is if I die, it's the best thing that can happen. I'll get to see Jesus. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. I love the way that the Christmas story shows us that Jesus came from the high and mighty, from kings to the lowest of the low. In that culture, the shepherds were on the bottom rung of the socioeconomic ladder. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, as I would be. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. God is in the midst of that story. God is in the midst of your story. And God's telling you 365 times, don't be afraid. He says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. By the way, he had to be born in Bethlehem. The Old Testament prophet Micah said he's got to be born in Bethlehem. 
And you hear, you hear the phrase, Jesus of Nazareth, and Joseph was a carpenter in Nazareth. And you think, how can they be the parents of Messiah if the baby's got to be born in Bethlehem? Ain't no big deal to God. He just used a wicked ruler in a census to get them back to Bethlehem for the baby to be born, the city of David. Luke 2, 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Do you need peace today? Do you need healing today? Do you need assurance today? Jesus says, fear not. He loves you. He is a God of compassion. And one of the earliest verses of Scripture I memorized as a, as a young teenage Christian was 1 Peter chapter, chapter 5 and verse 7. And I memorized it in King James. It says, casting all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. And the, 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 language, the original language is the picture of taking all the weight, all the weight of that burden and taking it off of me and rolling every bit of that over onto the shoulders of Jesus because he will bear our burdens because he cares for us like nobody else. In 1871, there was an evangelist by the name of Charles Weigel. He was born in 1871. And as a traveling evangelist, and I've done that two seasons in my life, it means you get to see God do some cool stuff. You get to see churches experience revival. You get to see people saved. But it means you're away from home a lot when you're in evangelism. He was away from home a lot, and he came home one time, and there was a note from his wife that his wife had left and taken their newborn daughter with him. And so he went through a season of depression, and he said, nobody cares for me. My wife doesn't care for me. She's taken my baby away from me. And he just kind of sunk into a depression. Gradually, as he turned back to the Scripture, the Holy Spirit of God began to breathe life into Charles Weigel and to encourage him. And one day he sat down at the piano to write a song. And he wrote these words, I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Remember this song, Jenna? Since I found in him a friend so, so kind and true. He wrote the words to that song. At times, we feel alone, don't we? At times, we feel abandoned. At times, you may feel like the whole world is out to get you. Maybe you go through the death of a loved one. You know, my family's going through the first Christmas without my Uncle John. And my, my, Joanne has, my Aunt Joanne has such a strong faith. I'm so proud of her. But if you follow her Facebook, it's just broken heart. My heart breaks for her. Thank God. She said, Mike, how do people do this that don't know the Lord? She knows she'll see my Uncle John again. But when you've been with somebody 50 years and you're in a big old house all by yourself, I, I, I can't even wrap my brain around that. So we all go through seasons like that. Weigel wrote in that song, the chorus says, No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. A pint of liquor, a few joints, a one-night stand, all those things, they may mask the symptoms of our heart, but nobody can do for us what Jesus has done for us. Jesus came into the world to be God with us so we could experience on a daily basis God's compassion here and not only here but forever and ever and ever throughout eternity. Amen. And number four, God came to be with us. That's what we said all along. God came to be with us. The virgin will conceive a child. She'll bring birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel which means God with us. And I wasn't here, and I've not heard it yet. Pastor Matt hasn't uploaded it yet, but several of you told me about the sermon that Jojo Thomas preached when he was here last week when we were both out sick. And he talked about going to the garbage dumps. I don't know, was it in San Paulo or somewhere? And how filthy that was and the poverty and the stench. And basically, I understand Jojo told you all last week, that's what Jesus did. 
when he left the glories of heaven, the perfection of heaven, to come to the garbage dump of sin in this world that we live. He didn't have to do that, but he chose to do that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting and eternal life. That's what he did for us. Because of the virgin birth, God is with us. He was with my stepmother last night when that ambulance crew came to check on her. He is he's with somebody, if they know Jesus, when they're in the divorce lawyer's office. He's with students when they're taking their final exams. He's with mamas who seem like they just changed diapers all day long. He's with us when you got that ugly cry. He's with us when we're in rehab. He's with us when we're in therapy. He's with us in the long checkout line at Walmart. By the way, public service announcement, you know Walmart will be closed Christmas Day so that both of their cashiers can enjoy Christmas with their family. If you've been to Walmart, you know what I mean when I say that. He's with you in the delivery room when you hear the baby is breached and you're going to need a miracle. He's with you at the custody hearing. He's with you when you have chemotherapy. He's with you at the graveside of a loved one who's gone home to be with the Lord. He's with you today. He's with you tomorrow. He's with you December 25th. He's with us forever and forever. The scripture says he will never leave us or forsake us. That is the miracle of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. There's no human remedy for my sin. I mess up all the time. And there's no way that I can fix that. There's no human remedy for my sin. The Bible says, you can look at me like you're spiritual, but we're all in the same boat here. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? And what I deserve for that, the wages of sin, is that I ought to die and I ought to be separated from God in hell forever and ever. That's what I deserve. But... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the scripture says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated, God proved his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God came to be with us and God came to transform us. We chose the name Transformation Church because we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ can transform anybody and everybody from the uttermost to the guttermost and everybody in between. That's why we exist, to see Him transform lives in this East Hall community and beyond. So if Jesus to you is just a plastic baby in a nativity scene, and that's all there is to it, do you know Him as the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you ever put your faith, your hope, and your trust in Him? Have you ever confessed with your mouth, Romans 10, 9, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead? The Scripture says it's just that simple that even a child can understand it. And if we know the Christ of Christmas, if we understand Emmanuel, God, with us, if we understand no matter what comes our way, we don't have to fear anymore, and we know that, you know, you know, I, I confess my sin. You know, we, we, we don't have a lot of money financially, but I sure have spent too much money on my grandson. You know, and I keep seeing more stuff I want to get him, you know. His latest little trick, I haven't seen him because I've been sick, hadn't seen him to do this yet, is you say, why, what does the deer do? Pew, pew. That's, I well, can't wait to see that trick. So what did I see yesterday but a little deer hunting truck? And I just want to buy him everything I see him. I want to get the perfect gift that's going to make that little boy light up. But you know, the best gift I can give that little boy is a granddaddy that loves Jesus 
and walks with Jesus and doesn't compromise and let him see the reality of the gospel, the greatest gift you can give to your family, the greatest gift you can give to your neighbors and to your friends and your co-workers is the gift of Emmanuel, God with us. And you think about not having a lot of money to buy a lot of Christmas gifts, that one's paid for. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain, but he washes it whiter than snow. That's what the blood of Jesus does. And there's no, it cost God the most expensive thing ever, the life of his only begotten son. But for you and I, we just receive a gift. Christmas morning, you don't have to go out and cut the grass or shovel the snow or anything to earn your gifts. A gift is a gift. You just receive it. That's the way salvation is. You cannot earn it. Thank God I can't earn my salvation because look at this guy. I'd mess around and lose it. I'd do something to lose it. But when it's a gift, you just receive it. And he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. So there's no reason to fear when you know Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Pray with me. Father, I pray that as long as you let me experience life on this earth, I never get over the wonder and the reality of Emmanuel, God with us, that you loved a little boy in a single wide trailer from a broken home with an alcoholic daddy. You love me enough to send Jesus to die for me. You love me enough to adopt me into your family. You love me enough to say you'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me. And God, I'm thankful I didn't have to earn that gift. I thank you that Jesus did pay it all. Lord, the needs represented in this room are probably way more than I'll ever know or ever be able to understand. The people that will listen to this later on on the World Wide Web, Lord, whatever need they have, whatever fear they have, I thank you that you came to be with us. Thank you, Father, that we are never alone. We've always got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So you add us in the mix. There's always a great quartet. God, thank you for the reality of God with us. As we prepare to celebrate your sacrifice when we partake of the elements of the Lord's Supper, your word says we better examine ourselves. We better not partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. We better make sure our sins are confessed up. We better make sure we have a personal relationship with Jesus. Father, in this brief time of invitation, if there's anybody here today or listening on the World Wide Web that's unsure of their relationship with you, I'm so thankful for the simplicity and the beauty of the gospel, the plan of salvation. Thank you that your word says in 1 John, we can absolutely know that we have eternal life. We don't have to hope we've got it. We don't have to wish we have it. But when we receive the gift by repenting of our sins, turning from doing stuff on our way that always leads to a dead end, when we repent, when we turn from Mike's ways and we turn to your ways, thank you that whoever calls upon your name will be saved. So before we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, Lord Jesus, if there's anybody that needs to sure enough be saved today, I pray today be the day of their salvation. Lord, if there are those of us that have stuff in our life, we just got to get fixed. We got to confess that. Your word says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So Father, during this time of invitation, help us to do business with you. Just as Mary and Joseph heard from the angel of the Lord, help us to hear from the Holy Spirit of God this morning to adjust anything in our life that needs to be adjusted before we come to this most serious, one of the most serious things we ever do, and that's to remember your body and your blood when we partake of the Lord's Supper. May you be honored in this time of invitation. That's our prayer in Jesus' name.